0: all right boys welcome back to another episode of the sportsman i am big ticket i am joined as always by joey cold cuts and now mikey v bear down cuz beautiful thing Check out gentlemen Bonjour gentlemen. Sports, by the way, if you haven't oh. already. One of the greatest interviews I've ever wow. seen. we wee oui, oui, oui. Um, boys. How are we doing? How was that experience, Mikey V? How'd you do?
1: It was really nice. Um, we had actually, it was actually kind of being set up for for months, and then it kind of just died off. And then they hit me up and asked if I wanted to come on. And they they're right in the city, so I was a short Uber right away. Jumped in a jumped in an Uber and went in there and it was it was very good they i tell you what they did their homework they knew like everything about everything they asked about cutsy they asked about only subs they asked about mikey mulligans i mean they really did their homework these people i gotta tip my cap to bonjour sports i mean they have like a whole library of sporting like live talk sports shows that lives in amazon prime that i don't think many people know about like they're running a full studio operation there around the clock, live sports talk shows. And I just don't think people are aware of it. So, you know, I'm hoping to bring a little bit more awareness and then, you know, hopefully I could parlay that into, you know, why don't you help the kid out a little bit and set me up with a little part-time gig over there. <laughs> I can, I can are sure, you going to be can, a regular well, on that? I don't know. I don't know. I know they liked me. Uh, I tell you what, you
0: looked awfully exactly. com- good. You looked awfully comfortable. You looked I know, awfully I mean, comfortable. That's my wheelhouse. Talking it good.
1: sports, It really is. Talking sports is my wheelhouse. It has been for a while. And, you know, I enjoy it. And that's why I'm here with you fine,
2: gentlemen. That's what it's all about. And you know what? No one deserves it more. Bob was saying at some point yesterday, he goes, What's Mikey V go on to be like a head reporter and like big ESPN guy and be more famous than all of us, which I would yeah. love to see. I don't know if I want to do ESPN, though, no,
1: man. ESPN is like I—I I, I don't know. Oh, come
2: on, I'm not scared about what you say.
1: I'm not going to say anything bad about ESPN. I'm not saying anything bad. I just—I I don't know about ESPN. I just think you're it's telling
0: like, me if Bristol comes calling, you're not—you're not reviewing that. You're not taking that—that—that no, sit down. I mean, no, I'm
1: not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I think the Amazon thing is pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's different. Um, but yeah, I mean, ESPN obviously is—is the—is the, is the you know, the pinnacle, I would right. say, I guess, because that's, you know, where the, where the legends live, Schefter and Chris Berman and Keith Jackson and, you know, uh, Stuart Scott may rest in peace and Scott, Scotty Van Pelt and all yeah. those
0: guys, but, um,
1: yeah, I, I don't know. Just, you know, just doing, you know, just doing what I could do. That's I'll,
0: all. I'll tell you what, though. Amazon, I think this was their first year with Thursday Night Football. And they're yes. they they they're like pregame, everything leading up to it. They do this thing where they go to this, whatever they're playing in Kansas City. They show up to Kansas City days before and they show you what the team's up to 36 hours before, 24 hours before. Their whole pregame and the way their production value of those Thursday Night games, albeit they weren't great games, but their production value they're was through the games. roofs was Through the roof, though. They did a great job. Their first year doing football. I thought they did a fantastic job. Yeah, they did I think, a good job with but They L. had L. a nice crew. They had a nice crew, I thought. I thought uh, Michaels, I actually yeah.
1: liked Sherman. I like Sherman and uh and uh Whitworth and um who was the other guy They had the quarterback from Harvard that's played everywhere?
2: Um <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick the-
1: Fitzpatrick, oh, yeah. yeah. And
2: didn't they have Tony Gonzalez?
1: I think they had Gonzo they and Fitzpatrick and Whitworth and and uh, Sherman, and I thought they worked well together. I thought they were pretty good. I thought they were a pretty good crew. I did. I just the thing I can't get over is Herb Street was the was the Thursday Night guy, right?
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. With uh, without Michaels, right? With Al Michaels, yeah. Al
1: Michaels is tremendous. The problem I had is that Herb Street to me forever and will always be a college announcer. And he's the best play. I, I think he's the best color college announcer there is right now. Like Joe Clat. I just couldn't get. I, I couldn't get into him. He kept talking like all his references were about where the guys played in college <laughs> and when they were in college, which I—that's his comfort zone. So I totally get that. I just couldn't like. I just didn't think it translated. I love Kirk. I'm a huge Kirk Herbstreit guy. I love him. I think he's fantastic. I love college game days like my favorite show. That ESPN
0: runs. Yeah, it is. That's my favorite
1: show by far that ESPN runs. Do you think he's
2: better than uh, Joe Klatt? Because I really like Joe Klatt. I do. I
1: think Herb Street's the best in the game.
2: Really?
1: Yeah, I think her in college, yeah, I think Herb Street is the best. I think Chris Fowler. And when they took Fowler off of game day, I hated that. And there's nothing wrong with Reese Davis, but – Chris Fowler on College Game Day with with Herb Street and with Lee Corso when Lee Corso still had all his marbles because now I feel bad for him man like he's like listen he's not well yeah. like you could tell like and it's that def- it's not even like funny like he's legitimately you know he had a stroke I believe he had a stroke and like he's just not been the same it, it's kind of sad to watch but I think Herb Street is is the best and he, the best since I would say. um, the, the gentleman who calls uh, Brent Musburger. Brent Musburger. Brent Musburger, Keith Jackson, and now Kirk Herbstreet. That's like my kind of like, if I had to do like a Mount Rushmore, those would be my college guys Jackson, Musburger, Herbstreet. And then I love Fowler. I think Fowler's fucking awesome. <laughs> I really I agree. do. And his Instagram is a great follow also. He does a tremendous shit on there.
0: There's nothing wrong with Reese Davis. It was just, a, it was an impossible act to follow. Impossible. It was an impossible one to follow. Impossible. I agree. I agree. I like those oh, I... Nothing against him.
2: No, it's fine. You know what I think is wildly overrated and keeps getting gigs in the NFL all over is Booger McFarland. That guy. I, I don't think know. They, how... I think they toned him down, though,
1: Joe. I think. I think people. I think they got enough like bad feedback, and they they kind of like
2: they kind of quelled him a little bit because yeah, he was bad. It was not good, and he did seem like a bad guy, but it just didn't have the sauce. It's just like no. it's noticeable, you know. But
0: he's better than Keed I... Talib. Keep to leave oh, is one of oh, the all time worst.
1: Please, well, booger, booger's thing was like he just he stated the most obvious facts. Like he's like <laughs> he's like you know if they don't score a touchdown here they're still going to be down seven points. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you, booger. Yes, yes, that is, that is accurate. He was like, the Tim he, McCarver of football. He turned into a meme. Like like thanks, booger became a thing. Like now my friends in in group text like if somebody states something overly obvious the reply text is thanks, booger. Like that's that's really it's bad. He turned into a meme, but Joe, I agree. He was and when they had him in the loft chair on Monday Night Football, like, oh. like Darth Vader in yes. the so, it so was sick, just hovering over the crowd. Incredible. Uh. All right, boys.
0: Well, while we're on the topic of football, why don't we get into our uh, our first thing on the top of the ballot here? We got Lamar Jackson requesting a trade with huh. the Ravens. Granted to him, where should he go? Is he making the right decision? Is it the right time to be requesting this? What do you boys think?
2: Uh, Well, I'm going to start off with this. I think this is, listen, Lamar Jackson deserves to get paid. There's no question about it. But like the bottom line is this guy has missed the plot because he and his mom are doing his managerial fees for him. And I, I can't help but think that if he had hired like a top end agency to like represent him, that he might be better off or in a better position than where he is now. I, I, to me, I think he's gone about it the wrong way, obviously on the flip side, you know, being devil's advocate, the guy is one of the better quarterbacks in the league when he's healthy. So I do to think, I do think he deserves to get paid, especially when you see the money that's flying around for some of these quarterbacks, like when Geno Smith and when Daniel Jones and some of these other guys are getting paid against ransom, Derek Carr, like, even Ryan Tannehill, I mean, I know that's an older contract, but like he sh- deserves to get paid. But you just ha- can't help but think that maybe if he had like a proper representation instead of him and his mom doing it, it might, he might be better off for wear. I, that's the only thing I would say. But I mean, geez, he seems like a good guy. You really hope it doesn't get screwed by this whole thing and the ravens i mean the ravens have got to see with huntley last year they could they couldn't throw a pass vera right. i had mark andrews in my fantasy the first half of the season the guy was an um i'd say an elite top 3 elite tight, tight end. end yes top 3 tight end yes yes when huntley took over for for fucking lamar jackson like I, I was looking at games. I'm like, is, is Andrew's even in the game right now? Like, is he, he, w- he would even have like two, three balls thrown to him and he'd be like 15 yards receiving. It's just, you got to You got to go back to what's worked for them. I, I don't know where they go if they don't get Lamar and and if they don't make things right. But it looks like at this point that, that relationship is dead.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I think what it, what it comes down to with Lamar Jackson is this. Lamar Jackson sees the fact that he won MVP of the league, right? He won the MVP of the league and watched, and he's never done anything wrong off the field to our knowledge, right? A good guy in the locker room, by all accounts. Now, some will say in the Ravens organization, there's whispers that he quit on the team last year, but most of the players have been very outwardly supportive of Lamar. So inside the locker room, by all accounts, good guy. Off the field, never any issues you hear about. And then he watches a guy like Deshaun Watson, who gets in all the trouble he got into, get the mega guaranteed deal from Cleveland. And he's got to be sitting there and saying, well, you know, not for nothing. W- what about me? Yeah. The issues with Lamar is the fact that he's oft injured, right? The issues with Lamar is the fact that he has to remember who gave there's Sean Watson that deal Mm -hmm. an organization that consistently butchers quarterback deals and decisions at the quarterback position whether it be through the draft or through paying so it's a very very awkward position for him to be in I think ultimately I believe he will remain a Baltimore Raven I think Baltimore will pay him enough to satisfy him Whether it be a three-year deal, which allegedly he turned down already, now you're hearing rumblings that he's not asking for a fully uh, guaranteed deal and Mm -hmm. that that was all not necessarily 100% accurate. I think he remains in Baltimore. I think he needs to understand where Deshaun's deal came from, and he deserves to be paid. Would I want to pay him now on the flip side as another organization? Not that type of guaranteed money. I just wouldn't because I'm too concerned about the injury. The injury concern, if he continues to play the style of football he plays, he's open to injury. And I just don't know how long he could sustain that level of success. Flip side also, Ravens need to help the guy out. I mean, the guy has not had any legitimate weapons outside of Mark Andrews. Good running backs, but they were all hurt. And then Hollywood Brown was the best receiver the guy ever had. And Hollywood Brown is not there, and he's not that good anyway. So they yeah. need to help
0: him out. Bateman's not bad, but he got hurt too. Bateman's not a bad receiver. Rashard Bateman's but, an up and coming talent. Yeah, but- he is. But, uh, you know, the thing with Lamar Jackson that I don't... It, it, what I It makes me think of the Dak Prescott story even more than the Deshaun thing where you're seeing this swell of fans almost bullying front offices into paying guys. And and the Ravens so far are not buckling. They're not buckling. And, and you can point up to all the reasons that Mikey V just did, especially the injuries. But... It's kind of it's kind of not right what they're doing, because now now the Cowboys are strapped with Dak Prescott. And not only does he have bad, awful uh, injury problems, but he, he's not all that everyone was making him out to be. He's and I an can MVP. S- He's got an MVP, but he's not. He's no, not he does, he doesn't. he do doesn't have attack. an MVP, but right. Lamar has an MVP. Yes. And, and these guys just, it's just not, it, I, I see where the front office is coming from, and it's just not, I, I don't, I'm glad that they haven't buckled to the, the bullying that's going on in the press and with the fans. And even if we come on these shows and say, Lamar's got to get paid. And I agree with that, but yeah. I'm glad that they have not stuck by that. But at the same and, time, they haven't come with any contingency plans for the thing for Tyler the, Huntley. And, and
1: for the Dak defenders out there that are going to say, well, you know, he was on pace to have an MVP season when he had that horrific uh, ankle injury. Right. Don't tell me that because Carson Wentz was on pace to have an MVP season when he had yeah. a bad ACL tear injury, and he was never the same ever again. And I'm not saying that Dak has never – but that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything that you were on pace. A lot of guys have been on pace to do a lot of things in this league. So you can't use that as an argument either, but I agree. I,
2: I hate to say it because it's like, you know – it, it seems cliche and, and and maybe a little bit hard, but like when you're making that kind of money, when you're that high, like that significantly highly paid compared to the rest of the team, it's kind of like, what have you done for me lately? Because if a team is going to commit that much money to you, you don't look and say, oh, well, two, three years ago, he had an MVP-like season. You want results now, which is why you're strapping this guy to your payroll and committing the basically the whole team to this guy's success. Um, I think the thing with the Dallas um, Cowboys is a little bit different too, tick. because, you know, I could kind of almost understand more from Jerry Jones's side while they were hesitant to pay him so much because they had already sent a boatload of money to Ezekiel Elliott. So like, you look yeah, at the Ravens payroll, and they don't have nearly anyone yeah. who's yeah you know, who's making the most money on the on on the Baltimore Ravens. I couldn't even tell you. I, uh, I just paid Roquan
1: Smith a hundred million dollars, which is well, but that exactly, just happened. I didn't want the Bears to do. So but I saying God that just
2: that. that just happened this year. But I'm saying you look at it, it's like yes, no, you're right. Lamar right. was talking with the Ravens this entire season coming up. Yep. They were in contract negotiations, so it's like where, you know, they got to have a lot more money and salary cap, you would think, to be able to find a deal that would make him happy. But ultimately, like you said, Bear Down, he seems like a good guy. He seems like a guy that you yeah. want to be successful and 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 be able to get paid out. Because a guy like that, you know, with the quarterbacks in this league, you, you might get one big, big payout, and then that's it. And that's what you rest your laurels on. And if you don't get that, with his injuries and everything like that, and I mean, you, you might be looking long-term and saying, like, what could have been?
1: I think not negotiating with an agent is a major mistake, and I understand that he feels that he's intelligent enough and capable enough to do it. And I know players have done it, and I'm not doubting that whatsoever. My whole thing is like just bite the bullet, pay the agent the four percent, eight percent commission, whatever he's going to get off your deal, and not have to worry about it, and have a smoother line of communication with ownership. I mean, if guys, if guys that make a hell of a lot less money then Lamar Jackson could have representation in their respective arenas. you know exactly what I'm talking about. If those guys can have agents representing them, don't tell me that Lamar Jackson can't have an agent representing him and just bite the
2: bullet, yeah. swallow the 5% cause 10%. and just, It's worth it. And it's here's the it. other thing. Here's what? the other thing, right? Like if you have someone representing you, you can let them be the bad guy. Correct. So you can say, Correct. if some, if they come yeah. back and say, why not? You'd be point, like, really. listen, all I know is what has been relayed right. to me through my right. agency. Right. Like I'm not involved right. in this. And you kind of right. wipe your hands clean. That's but it. when you're dealing with these, these negotiations can be so dirty sometimes. And then you got to go and play and you got to be on the face of the franchise. It's just, it's tough. It's tough
0: business. One thing, that I'll leave you guys with that it makes me think of is, you know, we saw a guy like Josh Jacobs last year. He was on a contract year, he had an amazing year. We saw um, a guy like, uh, we've seen other guys very much like it as well. I think Saquon as well. And I know those are running backs and not quarterbacks, but do you think there's something to be said about hanging on and waiting till that contract season to be the MVP of the league? Do you think you don't put yourself out on the line and get injured as much as Lamar has? seeing what he did for them and he never got paid for it I mean do you think there's something to be said for that or do you just think plays no, to- no I
1: think uh, no only because if you're playing for if you're playing for a team that you know is a basement dweller and has no chance but the Baltimore Ravens were in in the in the AFC hunt every single year so for him to for him to lay back in the cut and not put it all out on the line would have been I mean, counterproductive to the point where people would have been like, "Oh, what, what's going, what's going on here?" Uh, they were they have a good team over there in Baltimore, a really yeah. good team, and they're very well coached. Uh, they just they've had extremely bad injury luck all over the field, both sides of the ball. Defense, they lost like two starting corners in preseason. They lost like three running backs, and it was insane what was going on over there with the injury bug in Baltimore. So, uh, in their situation, Tick, I would say no, it's not wise. Now, for guys in, uh, on teams that are, you know, not good teams per se, that that everyone knows that they're not going to make the playoffs, they're not going to be involved in the hunt for the division, it's a different story.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, all right, boys, well, let's move on to March Madness. This is the most exciting month of the year, and it's been it's been one hell of uh, a March, man. It's been fantastic. Joey D, talk me through your bracket, talk me through your picks, talk me through the final four. What been I mean,
2: I mean, the bracket was dead. I mean, my bracket was dead <laughs> when Purdue went down. The the bracket was dead. I had oh, to
1: my to my fairly Dickinson Knights, my alma mater. <laughs> God, God bless.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I mean that that bracket was dead um, early on. So I mean, I had nothing to talk about that. But like, I just I mean, it's been another phenomenal tournament. I mean, this is March Madness to me is just the epitome of what parody in sports is all about. It doesn't matter what your seed number is. You know, you'll look at some of these teams that are left. You have San Diego state, you have FAU who would have had FAU in the final four. FAU UConn, the team, UConn looks unbelievable. Miami yeah. resurgent. I mean, it's, it's just so exciting because you watch these games and there's games that are literally going down to the last second, like, and it's just back and forth. So many good games. So exciting. Um, from, from a betting perspective, I've, I've had probably two of the best weeks that I could have had. I mean, in terms of just betting on March Madness, I've been very fortunate. Um, I've been, been – you know, a couple guys giving me picks who've just been dead on. Um, so I'm not going to attribute it to myself, but it's fun to be on that ride and watch it happen. If if I'm going to be honest, I think, I think if I had to pick the next two teams going in – I would say I think FAU is going to continue. I think they're going to beat San Diego State, but that game is going to be unbelievable. San Diego State might be the hardest working team on the defensive end of the ball. They, are. they they are so tough on all the boards, you know, rebounding, you know, blocking shots. They're they're gritty. That game is going to be so tough. I think FAU. There's just something about this team. I think they go through, and I like UConn in the other matchup. I I think UConn right now to me overall looks like the best team remaining, but it's, it's been exciting, man. It's been everything that you want in a tournament. It's been super exciting. Um, And I've been happy enough to be able to cash in on it as well, but I don't know. Mikey V, what do you think?
1: I love FAU uh, against San Diego state. I think FAU, I think San Diego state's been a great story. I think their defense obviously has kept them, but I, I do think that their their path recently of late has not been as arduous as some of these other teams. I, I Give me FAU to go to the cha- national championship game, which is wild to say, but FAU has a seven-foot center from Russia that played extremely well the last game, extremely well, finally showed out and made his presence known. I expect more of the same tomorrow. Here's the thing with the UConn game. Number one, I have a little bit of like a heartfelt investment in Miami. My niece goes to Miami. She's going to be at the final four. She texted me a couple of days ago that she's going to the final four. She's got tickets. So good for her. It's going to be an experience of a lifetime. Miami to me feels like a destiny team. They really do. And they are a second half basketball team. They've been the best second half basketball team in the nation the entire year. I could remember back all the way to February, early February. When they had that game against Florida State, where I believe they were down over 20 points, I want to say, in the first half and came back all the way and beat Florida State, shocked the shit out of Florida State, I believe. Or maybe it was the other way around. If it's the other way around, I'm going to look like a jackass, but I believe it. (laughs) But Miami has been a second half basketball team all year. So I expect UConn in the first half to maybe be in the driver's seat. I agree with you, Joe. On paper, UConn is the best team left in the tournament. I don't think anybody would dispute that, especially with Texas going out. But I just feel like Miami has that underdog feel to them. I just feel not the underdog feel. That's the wrong word. That destiny feel to them. Yeah, I feel like Miami has that destiny feel to them. And if Miami can get past UConn, Miami's going to win the whole thing. Miami Bob will Bob win the would, national championship if Bob they would win. be he over the mine.
0: moon. Yeah, I would, would be over the moon. College basketball has always been a second half league. They, it's it's yeah. all about the second half. With the, Whoever's leading at the end of the, especially in March, whoever's leading at halftime, it means fucking nothing in that league. I, there's no other sport where that means that. But I agree with you. Miami's That's didn't... a shame.
1: That was that was Miami was up by, uh, by oh,
0: 24. Oh, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no. They were. They were. But
1: if you if you do track, they lost by one point. Florida State came all the way. But if you do track and look at first half, second half, Miami oh. has been down first half almost every single game,
2: and they win every game in the second they half. They were down like 12 or 13 to Texas this They're week. They're a this second half team. Were. And yeah.
1: I had Texas in the first half last week. But that Miami is a second half basketball team.
0: Now, Mikey, we were on our way on this past Sunday during the Creighton-San Diego State game. We were on our way to Palm Springs uh, for a Bob Does sports trip. And and Joe was in the backseat. I was in the front with Perez, and Joe was in the backseat holding his phone, watching the game come down to the wire. And we're just talking, me and Perez. And every once in a while, you just go, Oh, what the fuck are you doing? What the yeah. fuck are you doing? Now, Joey, D, walk me through that foul late in that game that, that kind of dictated the end of that game. That was rough for you. I mean it. It, I had Creighton minus two. Mm,
2: yeah. That and I, to be honest, I was just praying to get to overtime. I was just praying because they were the, the way the game was shaping up towards the end. It was like okay, I I need overtime. Otherwise, there's no shot. Well,
1: I, I what did I put out, Joe? I put something out for that. I think, I think I you I had pre- the
2: over first half over. Yeah, first half over. I think you had a first half over, which first I think over. missed. You no. hit the Texas, you hit the no. Texas first half. Sunday,
1: Sunday, both hits. Play, oh, both, both places. Hit? Hit. okay. Yeah,
2: so I had So it. I had, I had Creighton minus two. And um, I mean, early on, it looked like they were in the driver's seat all the way. And then San Diego State, again, just a gritty team. But here's my thing, okay? That last play of the game, you could say, yeah, it's a foul here and this and that. It's like that, that call is literally, that call basically decides the game because it's a tie game. If the guy makes one free throw the game is over. You know what I mean? So like I, I I and you watch the course of the game, right? You watch throughout the game and the refs throughout that second half there were calls that were not being made that were so much more blatant than that than that call. And I might give you I know you're going to say it's a foul. I'm not denying that it was a foul. Well, well, I'm my- going to
1: say it's a foul because I just checked with bet. I had an under 135 for the game, so I was praying the game didn't go into overtime. Oh, okay. So I was ecstatic when they called that foul. Ecstatic. <laughs> fair fair enough. <laughs> but the guy, I believe the guy missed the first free throw. If I remember correctly, he missed he the first. And I was like,
2: "Is this guy actually going to miss both these free throws?" <laughs> I would have lost my mind. But yeah, he missed the first. But here's yeah. my here's just my my issue is that with any refing in any sport, right? To me, it's and we. I think Mikey V. We've discussed this before. the The thing that I look for in good refing is consistency. If you're going to not make calls through the the latter part of the second half that are blatantly fouls and and, and should be called, then why on the last play of the game are you calling mm-hmm. a ticky tack foul? That to me is 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 where the issue lies. It's not whether or not it was a foul, because if you just look at it. Uh, Mikey V, I would agree with you. It is a foul. He grabbed him from the back. Yeah,
1: it's a foul. He he had his hand on his hip, but I understand totally where you're coming from. Like, that's a tough spot to call that foul. It is. And then the argument that the announcers are trying to make is that, well, you're penalized. If it's a foul and everyone knows it's a foul, not calling it is penalizing the offensive player. Because commentators are
2: always going to have the back of the referee. So that is. From yeah. what I've seen, it in in, in any sport, they're normally going to back the officiating crew up. I mean, sometimes they'll be like, "That's a blatantly bad call," but like mm. most of the time, I feel like they're going to have their back. But I just be consistent, man. Like there were plays where guys were getting kind of like almost thrown to the ground and blocked, and they weren't calling the foul. And it's like if you're going to call that, you're basically ending the game. And it was such a good game that it's like it's kind of just. Regardless of my bet, my bet in the realm of things is of the least importance. But just for those fans, imagine you're a Creighton fan or you're a player on the team. And to watch the game end like that, it just kind of sucks. It's not the way people want to finish the game.
0: You know, a guy who's not afraid to call the refs out for their shit is either of the Van Gundy's they'll they'll go in on those guys in the NBA <laughs> yeah. but I mean Stan. I mean listen look at the the Super Bowl recently do I think the Eagles were going to win that game no but were they robbed of an oh. opportunity to go and try to win that game because of a ridiculous call where a ref tried to play hero at the end of the game yeah it's I would say yes some would say yes. I mean it's and it sucks to be on the receiving end of that. It really does. And I think we've all been there at one time or another, whether it's a Super Bowl or a regular season game, see a game ripped away from us because of a call late in the game. And it always sucks. Or and it's no never fun. No- I
1: mean, yeah, or, or a no-call. But like yeah, the, NFL, no call. the, the NFC the title any- game with the Rams and the Saints. I mean, oh, that- that that was, so I mean it'll go down in history. I mean, that's one of the worst, worst moments in the history of the NFL. I'm not even saying officiating. That was one of the worst moments. In the history of the league, because of because of the stakes that were you know in that game at play and and how bad that was, so it happens. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. The bad, best of the human
2: game. The best game when when the officials are on is when you don't even notice that they're out there. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. We'll leave it at that. I mean, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to do. I mean, listen. There's a lot of scrutiny on that position when you're making calls and dictating, and there's millions of dollars being bet on these games but that's just the way it is you know there's human error and even now with the with the replays and technology and shit even that the nba has got to figure it out with these replays they take so long to look at a stupid play and half the time it doesn't even change anything but i don't know i was i was i was a little peeved but again i had a huge week so it wasn't the end but it was just just not a fun way to watch the end of a really exciting game
0: yeah, it's it also feels weirder when it's college kids. I mean, I there's just something it, when I look at the pros, I'm like, at least they're walking away with a huge check. There's something about watching the college kids get screwed that just not that it's got to happen to somebody, but it just it, it always breaks my heart a little bit further. Um, all right, Mikey, we're not a huge hockey uh podcast, but we do get into it sometimes. And there's a oh. there's an article here that we just can't <laughs> there's there's a topic that we just can't uh get away from, and that's Connor McDavid on the 60 goal yeah. season, Joseph. I mean, I'd like Guys. to hear what Mikey has to say about that too. But Joe, let's let's go to you first here. What do you think? You
1: could just stay with Joe on this one. <laughs> <laughs> you got nothing on hockey? I got nothing on Conrad. Not me, a David. single I, the devils wow. and the Rangers, I believe, are gonna play each other in the first round. Is that correct?
2: I think so, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's gonna be that's gonna be blood out here in this area. Like the people I know that do watch hockey, yeah, that is going to be a bloodbath. Series, the these two fan bases, I could tell you right now, Mm -hmm. like they have a disdain for each other. Like I wouldn't say it's at the level of Ohio State, Michigan or, or, you know, Green Bay, Chicago. It's bad. They genuinely don't like each other. So that's the only input I could give. Back to what you said in
2: 1994, they had the the Eastern Conference finals was the Rangers against the Devils. And that was a bloodbath in and of itself. So I could feel you on that. I will probably watch that. I will oh, it'll be excited. That. It'll be, yeah. it'll be, I will say, I have not watched nearly as much hockey this year because the Canucks have been terrible. Now they made a little surge at the end, but I haven't watched nearly as much hockey as I normally watch, but the playoffs for the NHL are always exciting. There's always good games going on. I'm um, going back to Connor McDavid. We are, we are witnessing the best hockey player since Wayne Gretzky. And I'm going to go out and say it. He's better than Sidney Crosby. He's miles better than Ovechkin in terms of like his all around versatility as a pure goal scorer. Maybe Ovechkin, you want to take him over McDavid for how many goals he scored. But I actually think I think uh, Ovechkin's up there, but McDavid is just, this guy's a pinnacle player. He's just, the kind of guy that you want. Now, what needs to be discussed too is he's also playing with a top-end talent in Dre Seidel. This guy's also in amongst the top 10 best players in the league, so that helps a lot. But he's just such class, he's such he, he just personifies what it means to be a superstar. He says and does all the right things. He's a good kid, he's getting paid as he should. And 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 to be honest, you know, 60 goal seasons, they just don't happen anymore. I remember when. You know, back in the day in the 90s, you had like guys like Alex McGillney, Timu Solani as rookies scoring 60 goal seasons. Nowadays, with the goalies and the equipment and just the advancement in how well and being a goalie, I and I used to be a goalie, I can say this for a fact. The the, the goaltending game has evolved and developed to, to produce such better goaltenders in what we're around. When Wayne Gretzky was playing, these guys wouldn't even go in a butterfly. They were stand-up goalies, and if you shot the ball, shot the puck in the low end corner of the of the net, it was scored. So I, it's it's really impressive. I mean, uh, I I don't think now they, there's talks um, ticket of this Bedard coming up being the next McDavid. So that'll be really interesting to see. He's 17 years old. He's going to be the first overall pick of the draft this year. Canadian kid and he's unbelievable in the world juniors this past year. The kid lit it up for team Canada. Um, It's it's going to be interesting to see because every so often you got guys like Crosby, you got guys like McDavid and hopefully this Bedard pans out and it's just fun to see. And it's like, I was saying to somebody the other day, it's like, you know, when you grew up, when we grew up and we watched legends like, you know, and on this is an NFL like Brady and paid Manning, I didn't really watch them coming up the ranks. I didn't really watch the development in the college or when pre pre pro, you know, to see them develop. But now it's cool cuz you get to see these guys develop through, you know, before they're professional athletes and then see them dominate on the professional level. And that's that's exactly what McDavid's doing. It's 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 unbelievable. There's nothing else to say about it.
0: Yeah, it's wild. Mikey, you never thought about lacing up the skates? Never once as a child. Oh. <laughs> never?
1: I like to remain. I like to remain on solid ground.
2: <laughs> <laughs> some some you... may say there's no more solid ground than ice.
0: Of uh, some a full some sheet of ice. Who's saying oh, that? Yeah,
1: Joe is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Well, let's get into one more thing before we get into the questions and get out of here. Mikey, give us an update on the uh, give us an update on the golf. How you doing, man?
1: Oh. I mean, I'm doing. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what it is I'm doing, but I'm doing. I mean, I'm swinging. Uh, at my second lesson. Um, more things added to the toolbox in terms of things I got to think about. But then you're not supposed to think about anything. I don't That's know. Right. I, I honestly, at this point, I'm kind of just ready to just go on the course and try and figure some things out for myself because, uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to become a robot. Um, no matter how many lessons I take, uh, because <laughs> if it was that yeah. easy, I feel like every every asshole would just go take 10 lessons and be like, OK, I'm I'm good to go now. So I think I just got to get on the course. I'm going to uh, we're going to the Yankee game tomorrow. Meet Dickie Gas and Fubi, And we were supposed to if the weather was going to be nice uh, during the day, we were going to golf, but it's not going to be nice. So I was I was actually looking forward to that. But uh, I'll get on the course soon. I would like to get on the course soon and I'll I'll make sure I take some video documentation so everybody can make fun of me.
0: <laughs> dude it is like learning a language though like if you don't do it as a kid it's almost impossible as an adult beca- to become yeah. that like robot like because when you take those lessons which i've done it before mike V, they're giving you so many things and then you can so stand you can stand over that ball and you're thinking keep my elbow straight it's to come through my hips turn through the ball you're thinking about a thousand things a thousand things and you and you fuck them all up you fuck yeah, them all it's up just and you the it's just too much it's like
1: you know i'm thinking about my grip like we yeah. went into grip and oh, yeah, I'm thinking that's... about is the weight is the weight on my toes on the balls of my feet or is it in my heels am I rotating through is the back foot trailing is the shoulder <laughs> like like am I extending <laughs> all the way like it's just so like don't use your arms don't use your shoulders it's nothing to do with your arms or your shoulder like yeah. It's just a lot, man. It's huh. just a lot. Like I, I I feel like like I don't know. Is it really necessary? Like I'm never gonna be a pro golfer. Like I'm never gonna be an amateur, like a high level golfer. I just all I want to be is serviceable to the point where I, I could at least advance the ball and not hold up whoever I'm playing with. That's all I want to do. That's it. So if I could get to that point,
2: I'd be very, very happy. Very happy. Has he let you uh, use some more clubs yet? Or are you still using nope. like the nine iron and pitching pitching wedge? wedge. Pitching, wedge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the way to learn. I mean, it is, but uh, it's, it's, I, I would play. like to
1: swing my driver once. I haven't even swung it. Wait, I you haven't used
0: front. any clubs other than no. a pitching wedge and a nine? Nope, no,
1: I haven't even used the nine. I've used only this the pitch. He's this. used one club so far. This is the only club I've used so far, and you can see that this baby is taking a beating already. Look at
2: this. He's hit that thing five hundred times, at
1: least five hundred times.
2: times. But you know what? Well,
1: I, uh, I storing the what, other though. ones, there well, is so- there is something very therapeutic about being out there and just doing that. Whatever it is, I don't know what the fuck it is. Could be black magic. Could be uh, I don't know what it is. But something is very, very calming and therapeutic about it at the same time.
2: Mikey, right. when you're when you're at the driving range, are you hidden off grass or off of mats? Off of mat, off of yeah, mat. Yeah. Right see, now. that's a yeah. whole nother feel too. When right. you get on the course and you take a divot, and the ground disintegrates underneath you, that that changes the whole feel as well. I
1: tell you what, I think I'm going to enjoy that a lot more because I've been noticing on the mat, like no matter what shoes I wear, um, my shoes do not rotate on the mat at all, and it yeah. like I feel like I'm stuck to the ground, and I hate that feeling. Like I'm not yeah. able to rotate as well like I want to be on the grass to at least get a little movement but
0: and knows, I tell you why you got to rotate know. Mikey I tell you why I got to rotate not for a better golf swing but I'm a guy who's got a bad back as well I think you do you yeah. got to rotate just to protect that thing cuz if you stay yeah. stationary you're going you're going to yeah. hurt yourself and I have
1: I've been in a very good stretching back rolling routine Good very good very good, good. good. I need that's to be. huge I need
0: to be Sure is. Um, all right, boys, let's move on to some viewer questions. First question comes in from Mata2480, and this one's for Mikey V. How do you have time in a day to keep up so well with sports? I'm a family man working full time, and I admire the hustle. <laughs> uh, I don't have
1: time. I don't, I, I'm a firm believer in the time that you have is the time you make. If you're not going to make the time to do things that you want to do, if it's not worth your time, you'll never have the time. It's got to be worth your time. So, like, for instance, a typical day for me, uh, I'll wake up at 530 in the morning. I'll go to the gym. Do I want to go to the gym? Absolutely fucking not. I don't want to go. Absolutely not. But I feel like I'm obligated to go. Number one, I have a horrible fear of dying very young because I heard tall people. The taller you are, the shorter your life expectancy is. I think that's a scientific fact. So I'm, (laughs) I'm definitely afraid of that so i go to the gym strictly out of that and yes the side benefits is that your clothes fit better and you know you have a better physique that's the that's secondary i'm just afraid of dying so i make time for that 5 30 gym in to punch the clock at work at seven forty five, seven thirty in the morning then all day at work come home probably around 4 30 and as soon as i walk in the house the two kids are all over me i get a window from about 8 p.m at night when the kids are finally tucked in and asleep till about 10 30 11 so i get about two and a half three hours and i try to just consume as much as i could possibly consume in that two and a half three hour time period now obviously on the weekends is my sports time especially during the fall but again it's tough when you have a family it only gets tougher because and my kids are still little so if this guy's got kids that are like playing sports and shit it gets so much more difficult so i would just say you just got to carve out time when you can if that means you got to get your ass out of bed Two hours earlier than you want to, unfortunately, brother. That's what you got to do.
2: Sucks. It absolutely the sucks. The other thing too is not everybody's doing sports podcasts, and that's yeah, true a- too.
1: Like, how much do you need to know, really? You know what I mean? Like, you could be a casual fan. I still, you know, I I, I would say I'm a pretty casual fan of of most sports, other than you know the sports that I talk about. So you know, uh, it's
0: that's true. I've never seen I've never seen an old guy. I've never seen a tall old guy. I've never seen one. (laughs) They're not (laughs) out there. When's
1: the last time you saw like an 80 year old six foot
0: eight guy? Haven't I, I haven't, Mike? Right, Tell you it. haven't.
1: Every guy you see who's like 90 is like five foot seven. <laughs> my he's going to be the first in that territory. Oh, I hope I'm the yes, first will. six foot seven centurion would be great. <laughs> yes, you <he> will. <laughs> oh,
0: um, God. all right, next question comes from Bradley Sanford, six two three one. I don't know if I should be reading the numbers. Uh, best sports <laughs> moments that you saw live, preferably in person, but watching live on TV works. Joe, let's let's go to you first. Um,
2: I'm going to go with uh, uh, a Packers moment when I went to Dallas, Texas. They were in the divisional round of the playoffs against the Cowboys. That was the year that we were talking about. Dak balled out that year. The Cowboys were heavily favored. And it was coming down to the wire. And Aaron Rodgers threw probably one of the best balls I've ever seen to Jared Cook on the sidelines. He was somehow able to keep his toes in. They had a 57 yard field goal attempt to win the game with Crosby and somehow it looked like it was going to miss. And they won that game. I got to go on the field post game. Um, it was unbelievable. Watching your team win in a, in a, in a playoff environment is one of the coolest things that I could ever say. So that'd be probably the first one. Another amazing game that I watched, and this didn't have the outcome that I was hoping for was when the Packers play the Arizona Cardinals the year the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl Mm. with Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald I was in attendance for that and the Packers were down about three touchdowns early on came back tied the game it was at the time the highest scoring playoff game of all time went into overtime Aaron Rodgers got sacked a fucking terribly missed call where he got face masked. They didn't call it and they took a scoop and score for the to the house. So it was not the result that I wanted. But just for, as a as as a spectator to watch a game that exciting, it was it was unmatched. It was, it was incredible. So I'd put those two at the top of my list. There've been a few hockey games I've been to with the Canucks when they're in the Stanley cup finals game five against the, Sta- uh, the the Boston Bruins. They won an Epic game. That was amazing. Went on to lose two in a row to lose. That's just the way my fucking Canucks work. Those but.
0: were heartbreaking losses by the way, to the Bruins. Yeah. Devastating the, the, game six was devastating.
2: Well, thankfully that was in Boston. So we didn't have to really worry about what like being in attendance for that, but I didn't go to game seven. Cause I knew, well, first of all, I didn't have tickets. Second of all, I knew if I was anywhere near downtown and the Canucks were going to lose, the whole city was going to riot, which ended up happening. Cause that's just <laughs> what happens with, with passionate Canucks uh, fans. But yeah, those would be the, probably the top three sporting events that I've witnessed personally um, that I, that come to mind right off the top of my head. Mikey.
1: yeah, Uh, I mean, I would say that uh, there's been several that I've watched that a lot of them, most of them, I would really say it's, I mean, the Bears really haven't been, uh, you know, a participant in too many of them, if any, except save two seasons in the last 20 years. Um, But Ohio State has been involved in some of the most dramatic uh, games that I've ever watched. Going back to 2002 when they won the national championship against Miami in the double overtime game where there was a controversial call on Chris Gamble uh, on the corner of the end zone that extended the game when they threw the pass interference flag. That would be the start of it. Um, (laughs) 2002, that same season against Michigan, it came down to the last possession. 2013 against Michigan. uh, Michigan has a chance to score a two-point conversion for the win. It was a crazy game, 45 to 43, something like that. They didn't get it. The double overtime game against Michigan in 2016. Uh, I mean, they've been the, the Georgia game this year for Ohio, with Ohio State when they lost the game on the field goal that didn't even come close. Uh, the World Cup final with Italy in 2006 oh, that, that, came that... Down to, that came down to a penalty shootout was still to this day maybe one of the greatest things that I ever watched. And I That's remember, true. and it, it hit so hard with me because as a kid, when I was very little, when I was about eight years old, when Italy lost to Brazil in the 94 World Cup, which was in America, that was on American soil, the 94 World Cup. Italy lost to Brazil on a penalty shootout when Roberto Baggio famously oh, kicked the penalty God. shot over the crossbar. So to see Italy in 2006 go back to the final and play in in a penalty shootout against France and win in the penalty shootout, that was like one of the most wild experiences watching a sporting event that i've ever had emotional wise like it was it was unbelievable and even you were last there year, no i wasn't there i was oh just, i thought just, just the people died. i was with and everything watching oh. it live it was just unbelievable and even back to the euro cup uh two summers ago yes. watching the euro cup and watching italy win the euro cup i mean those international soccer like the euro cup and the world cup i get i i fucking love the euro cup and the world cup i yeah. absolutely Love it more than maybe any sports tournament other than football, March Madness, Kentucky Derby. Like, I put it up there in the upper echelon of every sports postseason tournament. I think it's fucking incredible. Unfortunately, Italy wasn't involved in the World Cup or, you know, uh, this past go-around. But those tournaments, to me, are like the epitome of what sports is all about. Like, I understand they're trying to make the World Baseball Classic like that, but there's only one World Cup, one Euro Cup like that is a different level of passion for your country. And it's just the level of competition, the players involved, like the best of the absolute best. And it's just, it's incredible. I love, love, love that.
2: I thought the question was sporting events that we were in attendance. He sport. said, oh, they oh, say- watch live. Cause I yeah. really
1: haven't been. So unfortunately for me, I haven't been to many because my sports teams, my two biggest. Now, the Yankees, I've been to plenty of dramatic Yankee games against the Red Sox where we won in 15 innings. Like, Things like that, but but for football, um, my both my teams aren't local, so I haven't that World been to Cup as many win, games.
2: That World Cup win, Mikey, I watched it too, and it was unbelievable. And there oh. was the game, the game before that, the Germany game, Germany, was
1: Germany yeah. And and that was that was a that was a better, that was game.
2: better game. That was a better yeah. game.
1: That was a better soccer game. There's no question about that. That was the best game of the whole tournament against. It Germany.
2: was unbelievable. Grosso scored. Like right towards yeah, well, the end, yeah.
1: Well, Andrea, Andrea Pirlo, incredible
2: pass. Well, Pirlo, then and, and then, incredible. No, incredible. but uh, was it Pirlo? It was um, Alessandro, no, Alessandro Del Piero put the game away. But, the, game but, the, but away. the Grosso goal
1: was off a corner kick that Pirlo had a yes. masterful pass from the top of the penalty box inside to Grosso, and Grosso hit it with his left foot and buried it in that corner. And it looked like nobody. That game looked like 100. percent It was going to penalty kicks. I went. I was in a Charlie Brown Steakhouse. <laughs> Watching that game, okay, at the the salad bar, and I was supposed to. I was due back to be at work like an hour, and the game was going so long because it was an extra time. I was an hour late back to work, and I I did not give a fuck. There was no way I wasn't watching that game. No way. No way.
2: Huh? Did you get in shit?
1: A little bit, and then I was like, they kind of got it, which was really cool of them. They were, you know, this was when I was working a summer job, so it wasn't really like if they fired me, it wasn't really going to be devastating. I wasn't married, didn't have any kids, so if they fired me, I just would have went and got some other jerk off <laughs> job. But I mean, I was there was no chance I was leaving that Charlie Brown
0: zero. You're a zero. bigger soccer fan than than I think most people realize. Maybe even I love
1: Irish. high I love high level international soccer, and the problem is is you know Americans. And you know I'm I'm no I'm American first more than anything else love my country but the MLS just it doesn't get the kind of exposure but if you watch the games like listen I'm a realist you cannot compare watching an MLS soccer game to watching El oh. Clasico like it's you can't compare it to watching like Real Madrid play Barcelona like you just can't these people live <clears throat> die sweat breathe and
2: shit soccer it's their whole when life. i lived in europe their for three years That's i lived it. in europe for three years there was nothing even close that came no. in comparison to no. champions league no night games no. everybody was watching bayern munich play they're watching league, real madrid champions play. League
1: final is incredible i mean the champions league's playoff is incredible and, you know, Italy, unfortunately, lately, they're not where they used to be in, no. in terms of soccer with Inter Milan and AC Milan, Juventus. and even Juventus is, is not what it what it was when Ronaldo had first gotten there. And, uh, you know, they have their opportunities, but, you know, uh, now we're watching Euro qualifiers. So I watched the last two Italy Euro qualifiers. They lost to England 2-1, and then they just beat Malta. i would never even heard of the country Malta. They beat Malta 2-0. But, yeah, ticker, I love soccer. Big international love soccer. I've
0: tried several times, and when I really do try, I get into it. I liked it. I played FIFA for many years. I think it's one of the best games you can play. Oh, uh, one of the best. It, it's one of the most fun you can have with your friends, um, especially now that Madden stinks. But Madden it, it's stinks. just like I just can't fucking stay with it. I, I can't stay with it once – once the leagues are over, I, I don't know. I fall out of it and I just don't if get you don't back have a, in. It's...
1: Here's the thing about sports to me. My theory on sports is a fan. If you were not brought up watching a sport, I was never brought up watching hockey. I was never brought up watching soccer. But with soccer, I was able to identify with, I want to root for Team USA. I want to root for Italy because all my older family rooted for Italy, obviously, uh, who were like, you know, off the boat Italian. And then... Um, with Juventus I kind of just by default a bunch of my buddies were Juventus fans so I said I'll root for Juventus if you're not brought up with a team it's very difficult to get invested into a sport like yeah. I tried so hard with hockey to root for the Rangers or the Devils and I just by the time I got into it yeah. it just I, I was like this just doesn't feel like it's not something that I'm used to since I'm little so if you have a the connection when you're a kid I feel like it's so hard to get into it you know, yeah like I, I, I do agree
0: yeah yeah that's Joe that's got
1: to be weird yeah that's got to be weird but we do have you on the Yankee band well wagon. yeah one one and we could be 162 <laughs> and oh we don't know yet we may go undefeated but you should call Mike
2: Francesca uh, yeah that, that was hysterical. that was the reference that was, the
0: reference. That was, that the was reference. hysterical um oh, I, the I guess quickly just to get out of here I'm like you Mike I don't go to a lot of sporting events I, I'm very much like Bob I, I don't like waiting in line I don't like trying to leave I right. want to leave early I I don't like going the Eagles have got to be in the Super Bowl or the Phillies have got to be in the World Series. That's all that's, the, that's how you're getting me there. Yeah. Um, but I to, to this day, the, the game that gave me goosebumps and it gives me chills saying it because I fucking hate this team. But one of the most exciting experiences I've ever had watching a game of any kind was still to this day when Eli Manning came back and beat the Patriots that year. And and the way he – you know, people remember the catch that David Diary had, but the way that Eli Manning scrambled oh, for God, like the, eight oh. to ten seconds and then got away from like two sacks and heaved yeah. it up there, and and then they went down to finish it off. I mean, that was just so – I'll tell
1: you what. you got to ask yourself in today's NFL if that play would have ever really happened or would they have blown that play dead when oh. he was almost wrapped up in sacks? They're so quick to blow the whistle now with yeah, the quarterback right. with all the new rules. Would that play have even happened if it happened in today? I don't know. I would hope yeah. so. But that that's was a, a miraculous point. play. Miraculous play. It, David Tyree, by the way, Montclair, New Jersey native. David
0: and Tyree. was out of the league then very next year.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, we'll move through it. Let's just do two more. Uh, the next one, does TicketPost's picks anywhere? no i oh. used i used to and i used to and yeah, I was, you
1: used to with the cigars
0: oh that's that's exactly right mikey oh, and yeah, i, I, remember I quickly well. i quickly realized it was more streak and he deleted his account i deleted everything i deleted everything <laughs> <laughs> it was atrocious. It's hard, bro. It's and hard. I, I realized it was more about the cigars for me than even the picks i i i hated losing people money especially when yeah, I just wasn't very good at it. Um, but so let's move on to the last one here and let's get you boys out of here. Um, question for the pod. Do the boys get competitive when it comes to international sporty, sporting events with Joe being Canadian? A fellow Canadian living in Spain. Love the content, boys.
2: I don't think we've really had any situations where, like, I mean, aside from Team USA and Team Canada playing in the World Juniors or like in hockey, there's never been really any situation where it's like, it's been an issue where we've had to be competitive against each other, you know. So, like, I I would say no. I would like to think that like Canada's not really ever really competitive. Anything like this was the first year in World Cup that they were in part of that. I, it was nice to see that they were there. And to be honest, the first game against Belgium, they actually looked like the better team for a majority of that game. But we're really not, aside from hockey, competitive on a world stage like in baseball or anything else to where we would go up against Team USA and it would be an issue where we would be going back and forth. So I can't say yes to that answer because it's really never happened.
0: Yeah, true. All right, I said that was the last one, but I just read another one. <laughs> I want to get it out of here. I want to hear because I'm curious about the answer too. That was Jace Bradley. This one's James Bailey. I've listened to every episode of the Sportsman BDS and Bear Down, but wow. can't figure out how Bear Down became a Bears fan. I think it has something to do with his dad and commentating, but as a dude born and raised in Chicago, I gotta know.
1: Yeah, my uh, my dad my dad's been a Bears fan uh, since you know forever. He was a big uh, Dick Buckus, Scale Sayers, Walter Payton, Mike Ditka like that was his wheelhouse growing up. Like those were his guys. Like he watched Ditka like not Ditka the coach, Ditka the tight end, like Hall of Fame tight end player. Yeah. Uh, before he went to Dallas, so that was my dad's era. Like that was the guys he grew up watching, and and when I that was it. That was passed down to me. You know. Unfortunately, in some ways, but fortunate because it is a cool thing. At the end of the even though you know it's it's more hardship than anything. It is I do like being a fan of a team. You know, not just being like a typical. Oh, you're a Giant fan? No, I'm not a Bears fan. But yeah, everyone automatically just thinks I'm from Chicago. That's not the case because of my dad. So he's actually right. Whoever that was.
0: What, was was anyone involved in commentating that you know? No, no. Okay, that's what he mentioned. But me, me. That's it. Oh, okay all right boys well that's another episode yeah well fair enough fair enough and we look forward to seeing you on bonjour tv more bear down ah, bonjour bonjour um all right boys mon you gotta learn some french <laughs> uh that's another episode of the sportsman boys fun as always can't beat uh sitting around talking sports for for an hour man yeah go Joseph. like subscribe comment
2: uh join the youtube page Join the Instagram page. It was great to see after Mikey V came on for the first episode with us. Those numbers started started going up. We want to keep seeing those numbers go up. Come join us for a ride. Join, like, comment, subscribe. We love you.
0: We love you. That's another edition of The Sportsman. I'm Big Ticket. That's Joey Coldcuts. And that is Mikey Beardown Cuz, See you next week.